welcome to the sanctuary a safe space to speak from the heart my guest today is mr stop the violence himself control provo thanks for coming to the sanctuary today no problem it's good to good to be here yo thanks man um how are you doing and what things are you currently working on um i'm doing i'm doing all right you know uh uh, surgery, uh, knee surgery um, in February really kind of uh, stopped a lot of things for me. Um, it's something that you had to prepare for mentally and, and, and just deal with that um, whole side of thing. And it gave me a break. It gave me mm. a break um, going, you know, I, I remember back in January, I said I was going to take a break um, because mentally doing Stop the Violence and, and being there for everyone else and, and, and trying to help in any way I can. Um, I was getting to a point where I was going to be burnt out. Mm -hmm. So um, I took a break um, and I'm just starting to get back into the flow of things. Um, but even though I was on a break, um, I was still doing some speaking engagements that I already had um, accepted. Um, and I, I started helping um, a lot of different organizations uh, doing consulting and trying to, to help them diversify um, their policies as such uh, for mm -hmm. inclusion um, you know with the whole black lives matter and everything that went on last year mm -hmm. um, a lot of uh, people reached out to me oh, oh we want to be more inclusive we want to be more diverse how do we approach this and and basically telling them you know you have to approach the community that's affected um, and see you know what effects does your organization have on them and how can you guys help um, it has to come from them. Then you change the policies and then you change um, how you go about things. But it has to come from them because that's the only way they're going to feel inclusive and feel that, you know, it's in their best interest. So I've been doing a little bit of that and, and trying to plan um, some mentorship, uh, a mentorship uh, weekend for, for, for youth. Um, but it's kind of hard within a, a pandemic. Uh, but uh, I want to do a mentorship weekend um, and start that. You know, we have kids that go to basketball camps and hockey camps. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I came up with this idea. Let's do mentorship camps where, you know, you help kids out mentally and, and help them, um, you know, stay focused on education, stay focused on their dreams. Um, mm. You know, usually we do mentorship programs. But I said, what if you made it fun, made it where they want to come, where they want to, you know, meet different mentors and stuff. So um, those are a few things that I've been working on, even though I'm taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's actually rewind a little bit to mm -hmm. last summer, right? Mm -hmm. um, everyone was going about Jamiri lives as, you know, as much as possible. And then pretty much overnight, the world had to shut down. Um, how was that experience for you and what were some things you planned, you had planned to do that you had to cancel because of the shutdown? Um, let me tell you, uh, that pandemic shutdown was a blessing in disguise for me. Mm. Um, in a six week span from the end of January till the shutdown, um, I had did about 29 speaking engagements Wow! and, um, mentally I was so exhausted you know, you, you get it so repetitive and you're indifferent. You know, it wasn't just schools. I was speaking at government agencies and, and, and other organizations and, and just, you know, the mental changes like dealing with the elementary kids and then speaking differently to the high school kids. And um, I was really getting to a point where I was going to be burnt out. And um, the pandemic happened and it mm. shut down everything. Um, and it was a blessing in disguise for me because I was so... Um, overworked um and trying to do everything and i'm i know a lot of people's like you know you need to take a break for yourself and i just you know this is my thought process when i feel that i'm making a breakthrough and i feel that i'm making change it's hard to kind of take a pause when you're in that momentum when you're in that that movement so um i was doing that and i i was planning to do the stop the violence uh youth talk show Mm -hmm. That's what's up. Um, basically, giving the youth a platform to basically share their um, ideas and, and talk about their concerns within the world and, you know, highlight them academically and athletically and mm -hmm. give them a platform for themselves. Um, so that's still something that, you know, after we figure out this pandemic that's going to go on. Um, and then the, the youth mentorship thing that I'm doing, trying to do this year, 
um, was something that I was planning for last year to do a youth mentorship weekend where we have youth all under one, um, one like either at a hotel or a conference center, bring them together for a weekend. Uh, they get mentorship from mentors within the community. At the end, have an awards banquet, you know, highlighting all these young youth that are, you know, going through this program. And then, you know, the following year, they come in and be mentors and and, and, and mentor the, and it just goes on. And so those were a few things that I was working on um, that I, I thought were going to be big for the community. And then the pandemic hit and the world was just stopped just like that. And, and so um, they can be done, but now things have to be re- reworked around the pandemic. So um, th- those were a few things that I was doing, working on last year before the world stopped. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the world stopped and it continued and in front of millions and millions of people, uh, mm-hmm. you know, last summer we watched somebody mm-hmm. get murdered, a black man mm-hmm. that just went about his merry way, mm-hmm. whether he passed the counterfeit notes or not, for whatever reason it was called. Uh, mm-hmm. And we watched for just under 10 minutes a person get his life snuffed out of him mm-hmm. and it, it became this battle cry that you know has put a lot of fire on a lot of people's behinds why do you think what happened to george floyd has been so powerful because it's 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 not really that different from what has happened over the years you know so what was different about this one the difference was we were in a pandemic and there was no sports on there was nothing to watch on tv there was nothing going on in the world the world was at a standstill this was an issue that we can go back you know uh philandro castillo sarah bland trayvon martin we can go on the list goes on you know what i mean and um the world was at a standstill and the world had to see and watch this you know and then everyone was like oh my god this is this is like oh rage like it, it shouldn't be happening like he literally killed him right in front. We as black people have been seeing that for years. Mm. We we witnessed this for for decades and and um. To see that and see the world finally be like, oh my god, like this is this is someone's life being taken right you know right in front of us for no reason, while he was in handcuffs, and it hurt man. I I remember watching that video man and. I literally had tears. I literally had tears because we watched a murder happen right in front of us. And if that didn't make you emotional, if that didn't make you feel something, um, man, you ain't got no heart if you just watched George Floyd life be sucked out of him with a knee on his neck and not feel anything. Um, so the world was at a standstill and witnessed that and 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 was like it, it's, it was wrong it wasn't like it wasn't happening because us as black people been seeing it been knowing it been speaking up been marching been protesting been rioting been doing anything for y'all to hear us and then it took a pandemic for y'all to be like oh my god this is actually a real problem and so seeing that and then seeing you know like people start using their privilege to start speaking out and, you know, and start being allies and be like, oh my God, like we have to help. Like it's, it's so frustrating and being an activist and you continue to speak out as a black man on the issues that you have, but it takes a voice of privilege to validate what we've been saying for decades. Mm. And that's another issue that a lot of people don't understand that hurts. We've been saying this, we've been speaking up, we've been protesting, but it, a voice, a, a privilege speaks up about it that this is wrong, and then all of a sudden it's it's real, and it's and 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 that's where the frustration was, and you know, I remember speaking out so much on it and and, and saying, I hope after this trend, because um, everyone was like hashtagging it, Black Lives Matter and blah blah blah, because it was hot, it was everything that was that was what the world and you know on social media, if you you know what I mean. But a lot of people were asking me, like, um, I seen you at the the protest and everything, and people were asking to take pictures with me and stuff. And I was like, I didn't come here to take a photo op. I didn't come here to take pictures of the show that I came out and like, oh, I was at the march. No, Mm -hmm. we have real lives that are being lost 
And and so after that, I was seeing, I hope this is not for a trend. And then as the trend went off, you've seen it die down. People not talking about it. People not saying anything. You know, um, I was still trying to work behind the scenes and, and, and I continue to work behind the scenes on, you know, racial inequality, injustice and all that stuff. And I continue until, you know, I don't have breath until we see change. Um, but so many people um, that were Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Got quiet. Mm-hmm. Oh, because it's not a trend right now. It's not a hashtag right now. We don't need to talk about it. But everyone was out, you know, putting up the blackout. Blackout Tuesday, but I mean, they were, oh, Black Lives Matter. And then what happened right after that? Jacob Blake. Yeah. We witnessed Jacob Blake. A man walking back to his vehicle showed up to break up a fight between two women. Police are called. They come. They are trying to arrest the man that broke up the fight. Man walks back to his vehicle with his kids in the vehicle and took eight bullets to the back, paralyzing him. Not not eight bullets like, like he was trying to get the police or anything. Eight bullets at close range getting in your vehicle. And that's what continues to happen to this day. Is that we continually see these happen Talked about for the moment. Talked about for the for the week that it's on. Talked about while it's trending. Mm. And then nothing. All those people that are, want to see change and want to talk about work, continue to stay on those politicians, those people in power, those lawmakers. Continue to do all that. Continue to speak up. Continue to, to, to be an ally. Your voice is a privilege. Be an ally. Continue, uh, you know, us as bad people, continue to protest. Continue to, to speak up until we see change. I have a 10-year-old son. And the hardest conversation I ever had was have to explain to him about the George Floyd shooting, the George Floyd kneeling on the neck. And, you know, it was all over TikTok. So kids seen it. That's what that's what we don't understand that today kids see everything. Back in back in my my when I was growing up, you know, we never really had cell phones, and they never had internet on them, and they never, you know, what I mean, really had anything you could watch. There was no social media, you know, really, and so now kids are are seeing this on a regular basis. And then look at the mental, and you got me on this topic, but the mental aspect. And I and I, I wrote a post last uh, summer, and I basically said, you know. Employers, check in on your black employees because seeing ourselves or, or, or checking on your black friends because seeing ourselves killed, killed over and over on video or whatever. Mm. Yeah, they think because it's happening in the States. No, black people are connected. We are connected. That could be my uncle. That could have been me. That could we all we see that. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. Oh, it's just happening in America. No, it's. What, what happened about Regis, you know, Kaczynski, Paquette in, in Toronto that, you know, we're protesting about and still speaking up about, you know, and there's countless of names. What about myself being racially profiled as a black man here, being followed in stores? It's part of the issue. And people don't understand that. Mm. Canada, the thing that happened to the U.S., and I say to people that they don't understand, Donald Trump um, being elected as president was the worst, best decision that U.S., and I say this with a grain of salt because a lot of people are like, oh, what do you mean it was the best decision? The hatred and everything that was going on in the States, it's now in the open. It, it, it came out in the open. Yeah. It was all, it, it was just, he busted it wide open where everyone, yeah. it was already there. It mm. was hidden, it was hidden in pockets. Yes. But then when he got in control, yes. it exploded everything. Up yes. here in Canada, we still got it hidden. Yeah, we still got it in pockets. You know, we got the prime minister speaking out and saying, "Oh well, you know, there's racism, been racism, uh, or, or whatever," and you know, we're gonna work hard to change it and whatever. Some think just because we put Viola Desmond on a ten dollar bill that oh now we've come a long way. No, that is the, that is them showing you know a little glimpse. A little glimpse. Hey, let's just give them this and they'll be content. They won't continue to speak up. They won't continue to, to cry, you know, that, you know, there's racism. But it, it's still here. It is embedded in systems. Systemic mm-hmm. racism, sisters, in the justice system, in the education system. And th- until those things change, 
And you can't do band-aids. And, and that's what I've been telling people. Putting these band-aids over top. Like, you gave us Viola Desmond on the $10 bill. Okay. But how how long did it take for you to get get to that point? And that's mm -hmm. not everything. And, 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 and the frustrating part is that people don't understand how deep the racism is here. Especially in Nova Scotia. I tell people, Nova Scotia got racism like no other place in Canada. Because the black, the, my, my ancestors been here 400 plus years. We've seen what they did to Africville. We've seen how they put the people back in Preston on Slate Rock and, and so they wouldn't grow farms and, and, and prosper and they put them away. You know, we've seen that to my ancestors and, and people. They threw garbage in Africville. They did all that to move them out. To what? Build a park? And now, now, years and decades later, you want to give us a church there. You want to start making an apology. It didn't have to be done. And people don't understand. When we talk about racism, when we speak up on discrimination and all that stuff, it, it's, it's, it's something that it hurts. It's something that we live every day. It's something... I can't, I, can't, I can't explain the feeling. I tell people, when we were going through that Black Lives Matter, a lot of people of privilege, white people, were, were scared to have uncomfortable conversations. Oh, how am I going to have this with my kids? And it's so uncomfortable. Like, imagine being uncomfortable every day of your life mm. because of the color of your skin. That's me. That's me as a black man every day. Going out driving my, when I drive my Mercedes, wondering, oh, is the police going to pull me over today? It's a regular thing. Wondering if I go to Walmart or, you know, go in the grocery store, who's going to follow me today? <laughs> These are things that they don't understand. So if I can be uncomfortable every day, you can have those uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. And having those uncomfortable conversations means that you're ready to get out of that comfortable state and you're ready for change. Until change does not happen in your comfort zones. It happens when you're uncomfortable, when you're outside the norm, when you're doing things that are not just comfortable for you. Mm. And people don't understand, man. It is frustrating trying to explain when I say, you know, when I talk about white privilege, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, I'm like, they were like, well, I'm not privileged. I came from this and that and it's not, it's not saying that you didn't come from, you know, a hard life or you, you're not come from poor poverty and whatever. It's not saying that. It's saying that simply by the color of your skin, you have an upper hand mm -hmm. in any situation than a black person. Yeah. Than a other person of other race, just because that's your privilege. And they don't understand that. I don't like this word privilege. Oh. Well... Understand, you don't have to like it, but it is a fact. Mm, yep. It is truth. And you walk into a job, I walk into a job, I could be more qualified than you. But they're going to look at me differently than they look at you. Very true. Yeah. It's I'm not saying this or whatever, hypothetically. It has happened to me. When I speak, I speak on things that are fact. Mm. And people don't understand that. And, and, and that's the thing um, that frustrates me with this whole, everyone wants to do something. Everyone wants change. And, and a lot of people want to implement things that it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And if it happens overnight, if you could change something overnight, yeah, bruh, then... <laughs> bruh, yeah. Yeah. Bro, if you can change something overnight, wow. Well, tell me. Yeah, it wasn't an issue at all. <laughs> and it wasn't a deep issue. Yeah. These systemic racism and uh, uh, systemic issues in the justice system, these are not overnight band-aids. Mm -hmm. If you put a band-aid on an on a open wound, ask me how is that going to heal? Probably get infected. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know, down the road you got to get, get it fixed up a little bit more. Nah. We're not trying to put band-aids over. We're trying to sterilize that. We're trying to go in, get the problem, fix it, understand that it takes time. And I told someone the other day, I said, understand, 
my knee injury, tearing my ligaments. Understand, I got surgery. Am I going to be ready this month? Nope. Next month? No, they told me a whole year. And then even after that, it's a progress thing. So understand that real change is going to happen if you weren't in the work, but it takes time. I started Stop the Violence nine years ago. I didn't see the change in year one. I didn't see the change in two. I didn't see the change until 2016 going into 2017. Five years after. That's when I start to see little changes and little stuff. I'm at year nine starting to see some little changes, little stuff. But those little seeds down the line 20 years from now are going to blossom, blossom, blossom. And that's what people don't understand. It's not something you can yell Black Lives Matter in a protest for, for a couple of days and go back to your normal life. That's what privilege is. Mm. Me, I can yell Black Lives Matter, continue to yell. I'm still out here yelling. I'm still out here working because that's an everyday struggle that I have to live. Yeah. And that's the difference. So... You got me a little bit deep into that. <laughs> you know, it's just something like, man, oh, I, people don't understand, man. Well, well, I'm, I'm sorry to do this to you then because um, a couple of days ago um, mm-hmm. on Instagram, it yeah. went crazy. You know what exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. But um, um, you were just mentioning, you know, Trump came in just Mm -hmm. pulled the you know veil off and said this is who we are you know it was funny when things were happening in the u.s and then people were like this is not who we are like no no this is who you've been you've been wearing a mask exactly the mask is off and we now see you for who you are so yeah we know who you are now uh but like you know back here in canada we kind of like it's like racism light um, so when something like what happened and, and was put on, on Instagram, like, and everybody here saw, uh, it's like, wait, it is happening here. Like, how would a police officer, like, that his job is to protect and serve, do that and feel comfortable doing that? But not even that, I don't know, like... I, I, sometimes I tell myself, don't read the comments, don't read the comments, don't read the comments. But I can't. No, you know, and then, you know, you just see someone like, it's always this explaining things off, you know, always saying, yeah. oh, but he he's a drug dealer. <laughs> oh, but he's a, you know, like, like um, that doesn't. It doesn't make it okay. It, it, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't understand. Like, yes, he should be arrested. Yes, he should go to jail. Yes, he should be charged. Okay. But then the police officer still has to be held accountable for his action, what he said. And people don't understand that. Um, when I first heard the video, um, being honest, um, I thought I heard, you know, I, I will kill you for an effing laugh. Um, that's what I thought I heard. That's what, you know, a lot of people thought they heard. Then it was corrected that I will, I will fill you with effing lead. That's what it came out to be. And people asked me my stance and asked me, I apologize and corrected my words. Yes, the words were changed. I will apologize and stand corrected on the words that were said. Mm. Right. But I wanted people to understand from my point of view on what I seen in that video with a black man with his hands up or whatever, walking away. And furthermore, let me just make it clear or whatever. Um, from what I was told, it like they, they say, well, it was a weapons and drug call. Um, apparently, it was a disturbance that was called. Yeah. Yeah. Just, they just happened to find the gun later and, and whatever later. Okay, cool. That is irrelevant to what was said. You have a black man walking with his hands up. There's no gun in his hand. There's nothing. And a cop says, I will fill you with effing lead. He's... At, Knowing he's in a public place because it's an apartment building, knowing that it may be caught on camera, he felt comfortable to say those words. Mm-hmm. And this is what I told a lot of people. This is what I seen in my head. I see Philandro Castillo. I remember George Floyd. I remember Regis or whatever. I remembered all those that have been killed by police officers. I rem- that's what goes through a black man's mind. 
That's what goes through. When you see a man with his hands up walking away, Jacob Blake walked away, still took eight bullets. And they don't understand that. Those words were unacceptable and he has to be held accountable. I don't feel comfortable being protected by someone that will say those words mm-hmm. as a black man. You know, and then I further went, I said, I've been mistreated by police. I've been profiled. And if you haven't experienced that on a regular basis, bruh, how, how are you going to tell me I can't feel some type of way? How are you going to tell me that I need to apologize? Well, the police officer, and I had people reach out to me. I had people that, you know, a privilege that reached out and explained their thoughts on it and everything. And well, and I'm just like, I understand your perspective and I respect your opinion. But you don't understand my perspective and I can't put you in my shoes. But I know other black people can relate to what's going on. Other black people see it. It's a systemic issue. And, and, the, and when you look furthermore, there's only 29 black police officers older. I think it's five or 600 in HRP. Whoa. 29. E- exactly. Whoa. 29. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. That's, that's actually a scary statistic, man. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember, I, and I always tell people, I remember when I was at basketball a few years ago, and we're in the gym, Right. And it was like two or three, three, three or four of us black guys or whatever in the gym playing basketball. And it was a bunch of white guys or whatever. And we put up, uh, we were talking about, that was the, when they were doing an apology in 2019. Mm. Right? The police, the HRP did an apology. And we asked, we asked how many, um, we asked how many, um, how many people uh, here have been profiled by police and pulled over by police. You know, between the eight or nine white people that were there, there was, they've been pulled over twice in their lifetime, total. Total. (laughs) Between the four black people, between the four black people, it was over 30. Yeah, yeah. And that's the the crazy thing. I was like, myself alone, I was like, y'all, twice? Bruh. (laughs) I'm already, I'm over 10 at least. And I was like, that's me hanging with my boys, driving or whatever. If they got a nice car, I was like, but me alone, I was like six or seven of them. Hmm. I was like, I got a Mercedes. And you want to hear the crazy thing? I was on a panel for HRP talking about profiling back in October on their cultural panel. Hmm. Five days after sitting on that panel, I was pulled over by police with my new Mercedes. Five by HRP after sitting on a panel explaining. And that's why I tell people, understand the experience. Understand that this is what we live. Mm. We go through this on a daily basis. You're not going to understand from our perspective. When we see a cop putting a gun at a loaded gun, he could have used his taser. He could have de-escalated the situation. But he felt the need to just pull out a loaded weapon. Mm. Dude got his hands up in his ear. And it, and it's in the air, and you tell him, "I will fill you with effing lead." Mm-hmm. How do I feel safe as a black man? That you know, you picture yourself in these positions because it could happen. Yeah, you've seen it happen over and over and over, and, and, and that was the frustrating thing. And then you know, you when, when I told people, I tweeted out after the story was out in the media and all, and people were on social media and and posting it, Haligonia and all that stuff, and. I said, you want to know how racist Nova Scotia is? Go check the comments on this. Yeah. Just read the comments on social media or on these articles. You will see how racist Nova Scotia is. I told you, it's like no other. It's like they're waiting for those moments. And then someone was like, well, you know, maybe just people don't. uh," I was like, listen, I remember back in 2016, we had three homicides in six days, three black men. I was getting messages, racist messages. Oh, look, another black, uh, black uh, gangster off the street. You know, we need to kill them all. We don't have a, we don't have a gun problem. We have a black problem. Jesus. Those are the things that I, I've, I've got messages. I've got that I've seen and and, and everything. Oh. Those are why people don't understand the racism here is deep. Mm. Is deep, like you don't understand Africville. Preston. Everyone's like, well, Preston's out the way. Majority of people haven't even been to Preston. Mm. 
because they've seen it in the media, and media plays a role too mm. on how you portray communities. You're only showing North Preston when there's a shooting or something happened. So what does this com other community and people that don't go there know? Oh, it's only shootings that happen there. Mm. You don't talk about the Lindell Wigan, Wigginton that's in the NBA. You don't talk about the Reenie Smith or whatever singer, Keontae Beals. You know what I mean? You can talk about those young people, the Kirk Johnson boxer, the Castillo Clayton Olympian. Uh, you, you don't name those names. You don't shine light on those stories. Every community has bad apples. Every. You just shine light on the negative. And I know now we're trying to shed more light on the positive stories in the communities. But the damage is already done. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I, I, I always take people up there that are new here and they heard about North Preston and they heard about this. And I take them up there and they go in the community like, oh my God. Yeah. It's nothing like what they see, said in the media. Yeah. These people are the friendliest people, man. They're so cool. Mm -hmm. Because that's all you need to do is drive through North Preston. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get shot. I can guarantee you that. That's my community, bro. That's my community. Mm -hmm. Every community has bad apples. We can go through any community. There was a shooting in Bedford. But that'll be a little little story. <laughs> that won't, yeah. ha that won't yeah. have a high headline. Yeah. We just seen it. There was a shooting in Larry Utech. That was a little story. But when it's from Preston, when it's in Uniac, when it's in Mulgrave Park, and all those black communities, it's a big headline. Mm. And then what I always hate that the media does when a black man is killed, the pictures that they use. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And then, not only the pictures. Oh, he was known to police. Mm. Or he was this. Like he was supposed to die. Mm-hmm. Did you... Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to use one example. I remember when we had the Dalhousie student that went missing. Or whatever. And was killed by a med, med student at Dow. And they couldn't find his body and everything. He went to trial. He... Uh, and they, they found all the blood and, you know, he cleaned up the blood and everything. And then uh, they still can't find the body. They find family firm. Did you see the picture they used? Mm -hmm. He was in a suit and tie and all buckled up. The headlines wasn't, oh, we have a, a, a real killer on our hands or nothing. There was nothing mm -hmm. highlighted. Yeah. But every time there's a black person, every time it's in a black community, mm -hmm. watch the headlines. That is also... Racism and discrimination, that plays a role. Mm. And so that has to change. But yeah, that, that's just a little bit. See, you get me on these topics and it's just so much, man, it's so, so much. Uh, I'm just going to make an example. Um, January 6th, we're also, again, sitting at home, uh, waiting. The election is done after all the craziness. Biden is about to be sworn in. Craziness happened. Uh, whenever a friend of mine that's white says, you know, talks about white privilege, I'm saying, just, you know, consider what you know about just life in general. <laughs> Picture that everybody that went to the U.S. Capitol on the on January 6th was black. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what do you think would happen? I never get any answers for that question. Listen, listen I tweeted out when that happened. Um, I tweeted out the picture of the guy sitting in the Capitol in the chair. Mm. In the in the Capitol building or whatever. And I said, we are shot while sleeping, Breonna Taylor. We are shot while Jug and Ahmad Aubrey. We are shot while playing Tamar Rice. And the list goes on. But the fact that this man made it all the way to the U.S. Capitol without being shot or killed is the true definition of white privilege. There you go. And there that's what people go. don't understand. They were like, oh, well, one lady was killed. Bro, we are out here protesting in... They don't understand. Like, nothing. Like, And they were like... And I, I felt like, okay, I'm sorry, but she knew storming the Capitol, what consequences there is. Mm. I know that. I know mm. if I go try and storm the Capitol, I could be killed. 
Yeah. Look, there's no ands. It's common sense. Yeah. But had those been black people? Oh, gosh. Bro, I've been to Washington a lot of times. You know how many, how hard it is to get at even, even remotely close to the Capitol building. But when you have officers that are on your side telling you to come on in, come, come, hey, just come on in. Taking selfies. Take it, and, and that was the frustrating. And then you had the own, the man that, 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 that really stood up, the black man. He's only the black man that actually did his job. Oh my God. He did his job and, and was like, yo, yo, and, and steered him away from the Senate. Yes. He saved those senators that was in there, steered them away. Yo, come this way. And the fact that he did that, even knowing that our people would have been shot and killed. Mm. That's what people don't understand. As black people, we riot and we protest of our people being killed over and over. Imagine, just imagine if we got angry and took the streets to, to, to get revenge. We have never took the streets to yep. get revenge, to yep. kill cops, to do yep. that. We have just protested. Mm. We just want equality. We are not out here killing people or whatever. To, we are literally out here protesting and rioting to make a difference so that we can have equal rights, so we can be treated the same. Mm. But imagine if we just one time try to take revenge. But we don't do that because we don't have privilege. But all those people stormed the Capitol because they had privilege. Yeah. They had that privilege that knowing that this is this is what I told someone. I was like, you know what? Their privilege was so strong, they knew that they weren't going to get shot and killed going into that Capitol building. Imagine the audacity. Like, like you wouldn't just walk into somebody's house. You're walking to the seat of power of a massive, like of a nuclear-powered nation. Yes. Like... Like, walked in like they were living there. They <laughs> literally sat in seats. They literally went through drawers and offices. Without even, without even being shot. Was actually told, hey, yo, come on. Come in and take a seat. Yeah. That's the, that's the epitome of white privilege. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And that's why people don't understand. All it takes is a change in skin tone, color, for you to be shot. For you to be killed. Mm. People, one of the guys went to jail and was asking for special food. Dude, that broke, that, that actually hurt me. That hurt me. So that was the guy with the horn. That was yes. the guy with the horn. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like reading an article and like, it, this comes up and, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking there are black people that have gone to jail for i don't know fucking selling loose cigarettes or whatever yes and this guy basically tried to overthrow your government and he's like oh no wait i'm vegan or some shit yes <laughs> and literally they changed his food they literally changed his food he will not survive his mother he will not survive in there eating that food well the millions of black people around the world that have been incarcerated, we are so we're supposed to eat it, right? Right, right. We we don't we don't have any special the, the ones that are gone. And and the thing about it, like I tell people, the privilege is just so deep. And I, and I look at every the mass shootings that have been happening. Oh gosh, you could go back to Dylan Roof when he sat in a church prayer and killed those nine nine I think it was nine black people in that church. They took him to Burger King on the way. You know, they always find a way to arrest the person if the person is of a different skin tone. Yeah. And then someone that just stopped and told the police officer, listen, I'm a card-carrying member. I'm licensed to carry a gun. I have a gun in my car. With his daughter and his... With his daughter and his girlfriend right there, Philando Castillo, just boom, 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 boom. Right. I, 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 it's, 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 it's. Uh... We just seen, we just seen what happened to the Asian community. Oh my down god. Down in Atlanta, and they took the, the one of the chief of police comes out and was like, he was just having a having bad a day. Bad day. So, so my bad days are to go kill someone. Right. Not to kill, 
So, oh, oh, I'm just having a bad day. Oh, yeah, you're not crazy. You're just having a bad day. Yeah. Like, he didn't, you know, see, this is, you know, when people, when people don't understand privilege is because it's like you're breathing air. Like, we don't see the air we breathe. We just know that it happens. It's just, yeah. it's, I'm fine, right? You know, yeah. like, I'm white. I, I can call a police officer and I'm not worried about my what might happen. I know I'm going to be fine. Like, you can just take it for granted that the police officer is going to listen to what you're saying. Like, I've seen videos of, of a traffic stop and then the white guy attacked the police officer and got in the police officer's car and didn't even get tased. Like, Bro. no taser. I'm like... Yeah. Bruh, I've seen those videos. Did you see the shooting at one of the protests, Black Lives Matter? Dude had a had a what was it, a big gun? The young oh guy. Oh my gosh. And then he that walked past police. They gave him water. Yes. Yes. Stuck. Yes. After he just finished shooting. And that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Now if that was a black person carrying oh a gun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But people don't understand. We are not even we're killed. Breonna Taylor killed in her sleep. I'm Mary Arbrid. Killed by jogging. We are killed at traffic stops. You see the video. Mm. You see it. And you talked about loose cigarettes. What happened to, uh, what's his name in New York? Garner. They choked him out. Yeah. Uh, Eric Garner. They choked and killed him. Oh, he was suspicious of selling youth cigarettes. Like, those are the things that people don't understand. And mm. I'm not saying that you didn't come from a hard upbringing as white privilege in there. I'm not saying that you never came from poverty. I'm not saying that you never came from this and that. Mm. I'm saying simply because you're white, because your skin is different than mine, you have privilege mm. in society. Yeah. In this world. You and know, that's yeah, you, you just remind me of something that Chris Rock said. There's a there's a comedy special that Chris Rock had where he's like, you know what? You know how good it is to be white, right? Like the poorest white person in the audience would not exchange lives with him and he is rich rich if the the thing if the you know if the clause is that you'll become black, like you know, you'll exchange yeah. your life and like no matter how poor the white person is the white person would rather stay poor than be black. And yes. I'm Chris Rock. I have Chris Rock money. <laughs> they have and that's, that's, that's the sad reality. Bro, I, I keep telling you to tell people we are still fighting for that dream that Martin Luther King mm. had. And this is the crazy thing. They celebrate it. They have a holiday for it. You celebrate the man. But do not live on his dream. Mm -hmm. How? How yeah. do you celebrate a man, celebrate his legacy and everything, but do not live out the dream that he wanted for his people, mm. for everyone, for equality? It's not happening. And that's how messed up. That's why when Trump got in, it took off that mask. Yeah. Yep. Trump, I was like, it was still 70 million that tried to revote him in. Imagine. <laughs> After he showed what he showed for four years, over yeah. seventy million was like, "Oh, yo, you did a great job. Let's get back in." That's like, like, yeah, this is exactly. America, bro. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, like, um, uh, you know, I I keep saying when people are like, no, this is not who we are. No, 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 this is who you guys really are. Like now, you can be fine to say it in public, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Control. I'm. I'm. So <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I, I just want to talk about what you are working on. <laughs> I know. I know. We got into some deep combo over here. But like, um, like, see this man in my background was yeah. the last, the last president that that did, and you know, I had the honor of meeting this man, and yeah. still so humble to this day. Yeah. Still so humble, still out here working, you know, to, to make change. Mm. And, 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 you know, I had a dream one day, you know, to become a singer, basketball player. I never dreamed to meet Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. And I tell kids, man, I did it because I'm, I got to meet him because of the work I was doing. It was a reward along the journey. It was a blessing in the storm. And it didn't change 
my journey. It didn't be like, oh, I met Barack Obama. Now the journey's over. No. Yeah. yeah it yeah. further motivated me and inspired me to work hard to, mm. to, to make sure that my people, you know, have equality, you know, in the education and justice system and, you know, on the job um, to work harder that, you know, we decrease violence. And, 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 you know, I help people know, especially youth, know that it doesn't matter whatever happens in your life, whatever journey is given to you. Yeah. Make the best of it. I came from North Preston, a community that they put back on rock, a community that they stereotype, a community that they try and make look bad in, in, in the, you know, in the, the public eye. North and East Preston, my communities, mm. my communities, the Preston Township, that's, that's who I represent. And they didn't think I was going to make it. They didn't think I was going to be where I'm at. I went to the top 100, to United Nations in the world, didn't think I was going to be there. And I tell kids every day, man, make the best out of your situation. It doesn't matter if you make mistakes because no one has ever succeeded without falling, without making mistakes along the way. If you want to be great, just be great at what you do. Those people around you that support you are your family and those close friends and people that will be there all through it all. Mm-hmm. Through thick, through thick, and thin, through thick, and thin. I keep down thick and thin. They're going to be there. But you got to stay focused. Mm. And you got to understand that there will be distractions. My distractions are people being racist towards me, sending me messages, trying to distract me from the real issues that are going on. I mm. see them. Yes, I see them. Does it make me? No. It means that they hear and they see my work is making a ch- difference. So I work harder. That they get more upset, that they get more, more, like, come at me with all your racism. But one day it's going to change. Yep. yep. So thank you for having me. I know you've been sitting there talking about everything. <laughs> no, man, Quintrell, uh, thanks, thanks for always speaking up. Uh, you know, thanks for always standing up for what you believe in. And like you said, um, it's still ongoing, you know, it's still. <laughs> It is. Work still needs to be done, and um, for all the white people watching or listening, it's okay to be uncomfortable, and it's okay to have this uncomfortable talk. Mm-hmm. So, just understand that yeah. you're just feeling it now. We, we, in fact, we even felt it before we were born, right? Because like it's generational this thing. So, we need to talk more and yeah. uh i would like to have you come back to the sanctuary let's 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 have some talk maybe like yeah. at least once every couple of weeks because who knows what and, will happen in the and news. let me let me just say this to the people you guys heard heard us talking a lot about white privilege and everything this is not to separate us yeah i'm saying this so you understand and become an ally and become a voice on the same side working towards the change Mm. I am not trying to push you or put you down. Understand that my words are to help you understand and educate you and learn and understand that we need to do this together. In order for the change to happen, I need those, you know, privileged voices. I need you to speak up on the job about, you know, the, the, the inequality of, you know, people of other races within your organization. We need that. I want, I'm saying this so you be an ally. That we work together. So don't take it that I'm trying to put you down and push you to the side or divide. No, this is not about division. No. We're tr- no. This is about coming together and working together for the greater cause. Mm. Yo, thanks, Quintrell. And I hope your leg gets, you know, heals up soon. Because uh, I know you you miss basketball. <laughs> oh man, basketball! I was playing in I was playing in two basketball leagues, refereeing and th- three football leagues, and I'm not doing none of that right now. <laughs> Actually, I be, just became a coach. That's all I'm doing now is coaching, and it's so it's so hard to coach when you can't even go there and do nothing. <laughs> so so I'm just making it day by day. Um, but I did get back in the studio, so I'm back in the studio recording music. Um, since I can't, you know, go and play sports, that's my, my old dad. I was a singer before I even started doing style violence, you know, yeah. growing up in a church. So I'm trying to get back to doing music, um, oh. and doing some of that when I have time. So I'm working on an album this year. So, um, I'm looking to do an inspirational album. Oh, um, yeah. You so. should share some of your, whenever a single is ready, you should send it yeah. out. Let's, let's put it out here. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I just finished a single about a month ago. Oh, um, I have. What I is have it called? It. Missing you. So it's basically on. Uh, over the last year, I've seen um, so many people go through losses. Yeah. My family, everybody losing loved ones over the last year um, has been tough. Um, and then, you know, uh, a few months ago um, in February, just before my surgery, um, a young man, my, my half-brother's brother, um, who I, I, I watched growing up, um, he passed away. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it hurt seeing his family, seeing my brother, his mother, and, you know, girlfriend who's a very close friend of mine, you know, and, and all his boys and everyone go through that hurt. Um, and then a couple of weeks prior, we had, you know, a young man that was killed in North Preston. And it, it was just so much over the year, over the weeks. And so I started having dreams of losing my loved ones, you know, my aunt, uh, Kaylin, the reason why I did it. And um, for three straight nights, I was in these terrible dreams. Um, and these words came to me about writing a song about missing you um, and just keeping it real. And um, I woke up and, 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 and you know, I was, I was supposed to sing for the funeral um, for uh, DeAndre, um, but I ended up uh, just recording it in the studio. It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday so that mm -hmm. they can play at the funeral. Yeah. Uh, but I had his, you know, his mother and my, my brother and um, I, I said half brother, but he's my full brother. I, I, I don't see these half, you know, people have half siblings, but he's my full brother. That's my, you know, and and and, miss, and and just love him so much as well. And, you know, DeAndre was like a little brother to me. I took, you know, so um, I wrote this song with him in mind and dedicated it in his honor um, and, you know, sent it to his mother and, and, and to everybody. And they were like, these, these words um, just speak what I'm trying to, you know, I'm feeling like there's no words to understand the pain of his mother or the pain of my brother or the pain of people, mm. but I could just put into words what I, I can see and, and, and kind of, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and the song is just a powerful song, Missing You. Um, it should be out on um, all platforms soon. Um, I'm just I'm just starting this inspirational album. Um, so many people, like, I, I grew up singing gospel. I already did an R&B album. Um, so I was like, let me give people some hope in a world mm. that going through a pandemic in a world that feels lost so yeah um, that's what i'm working on something different um you know in the music scene around here you know mm. you have hip-hop you have r&b um you have people doing gospel um but i'm going to do inspirational so oh man control i can't wait for that project to come mm -hmm. out and i'll be sure to check it out on spotify yeah. once it drops I, and I, I'm gonna send out an invite so we should do this again because yeah. uh there's so oh, much yes. to talk about Oh yeah, you know, you see, we we, we talked for for almost an hour, and I'm just like, I still got more to say. You never so. touch, yeah, exactly. So just let me know when you want to have me on again. Um, I make time. Um, I just just to FYI, I'm off until the end of this month. So just to FYI, so you okay. know, my okay, I'm off okay. work for another month. Uh, so so okay. yeah, I'm here. <laughs> we'll definitely make this happen. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Have a good okay. day. Yeah, you too.